Let's pray. Lord, your words are pure words. And we thank you this morning that you keep your word, that you have kept it for generation after generation, that you have preserved and will preserve your word for your people. And so as we come now to open your word, to read it together, to hear it proclaimed, O oh Lord, give us understanding by your Holy Spirit. Help us to understand this morning. Help us to see the foolishness of Nabal, but also the temptation that David faced. But ultimately, let us see Christ. Let us be reminded of what Jesus has done for us. Lord, we ask that you'd bless your word this morning for the sake of your son. We pray this in his name. Amen. Uh, if you are able to remain standing, please do so and take your copies of God's Word and turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 25. 1 Samuel 25, we'll begin reading at verse 1. We'll read to the end of the chapter, verse 44. Hear now the word of God. It is infallible. It is inerrant. It is God speaking to us. So let us pay close attention. Now Samuel died. And all Israel assembled and mourned for him. And they buried him in his house at Ramah. Then David rose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. And there was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel. The man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. He was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal. And the name of his wife, Abigail. The woman was discerning and beautiful, but the man was harsh and badly behaved. He was a Calebite. David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. So David sent ten young men. And David said to the young men, Go up to Carmel and go to Nabal and greet him in my name. And thus you shall greet him. Peace be to you and peace be to your house and peace be to all that you have. I hear that you have shears. Now your shepherds have been with us and we did them no harm. And they missed nothing all the time they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we come on a feast day. Please give whatever you have at hand to your servants and to your son David. When David's young men came, and they said all this to Nabal in the name of David, and then they waited. And Nabal answered David's servants, Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants these days who are breaking away from their masters. Shall I take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shears and give it to men who come from I do not know where? So David's young men turned away and came back and told him all this. And David said to his men, every man strap on his sword. And every man of them strapped on his sword. David also strapped on his sword. 
And about 400 men went up after David, while 200 remained with the baggage. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to greet our master, and he railed at them. And the men were very good to us, and we suffered no harm. And we did not miss anything when we were in the fields, as long as we went with them. They were a wall to us both night and by day, all the while we were with them keeping the sheep. Now therefore, know this and consider what you should do, for harm is determined against our master and against all of his house. And he is such a worthless man that one cannot speak to him. Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves and two skins of wine and five sheep already pre prepared and five says of parched grain and a hundred clusters of raisins and 200 cakes of figs and laid them on donkeys. And she said to her young men, go on before me. Behold, I come after you. But she did not tell her husband, Nabal. And as she rode on the donkey and came down under the cover of the mountain, behold, David and his men came toward her, and she met them. Now David had said, Surely in vain I have guarded all that this fellow has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that belonged to him. And he has returned me evil for good. God do so to the enemies of David, and more also, if by morning I leave so much as one male of all who belong to him. When Abigail saw David, she hurried and got down from the donkey and fell before David on her face and bowed to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, Oh, on me alone, my Lord, be the guilt. Please let your servant speak in your ears and hear the words of your servant. Let not, my Lord, regard this worthless fellow, Nabal. For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is with, with him. But I, your servant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Now then, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, because the Lord has restrained you from blood guilt and from saving with your own hand, now let your enemies and those who seek to, eat, to do evil to my Lord be as Nabal. And now let this present that your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your servant. For the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house. Because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord. And evil shall not be found in you so long as you live. If men rise up to pursue you and to seek your life. The life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living. In the care of the Lord your God. And the lives of your enemies he shall sling out. As from the hollow of a sling. And when the Lord has done to my Lord, according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you prince over Israel, my Lord shall have no cause of grief or pangs of conscience for having shed blood without cause or for my Lord working salvation himself. And when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your servant. And David said to Abigail, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discretion and blessed be you who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from working salvation with my own hand. For as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has restrained me from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to meet me 
Truly by morning, there had not been left to Nabal so much as one male. Then David received from her hand what she had brought him. And he said to her, go up in peace to your house. See, I have obeyed your voice. I have granted your petition. And Abigail came to Nabal. And behold, he was holding a feast in his house like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunk. So she told him nothing at all until the morning light. In the morning when the wine had gone out of Nabal, his wife told him these things, and his heart died within him, and he became as a stone. And about ten days later, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord who has avenged the insult I received at the hand of Nabal and has kept back his servant from wrongdoing. The Lord has returned the evil of Nabal on his own head. Then David sent and spoke to Abigail to take her as his wife. When the servants of David came to Abigail at Carmel. They said to her, David has sent us to you to take you to him as his wife. And she rose and bowed with her face to the ground and said, Behold, your handmaid is a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. And Abigail hurried and rose and mounted a donkey. And her five young women attended her. She followed the messengers of David and became his wife. David also took Ahanon of Jezreel. And both of them became his wives. Saul had given Michael his daughter, David's wife, Paltai, the son of Laish, who was of Galim. The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. Last Sunday morning, we looked at 1 Samuel chapter 24, and we saw last week that David spared Saul. We heard last week how David were was in the caves with his men in the wilderness. And in Gideon, Saul heard that he was there. And by God's providence, Saul came into the cave to relieve himself. And there was David. David was told by his men to kill Saul, but he would not. He cut off a piece of Saul's robe. And we then heard David appealing to the justice of God, that God would be the one to deal with Saul. And finally... We heard of an assurance of God's faithfulness. And so this morning we hear of David and a man by the name of Nabal. Now in chapters 24, 25, and 26, there is a common theme. And the theme is this, the control of David who waits for the promise of God to make him king of Israel. We saw last week that David was tempted to take matters into his own hand. We see today that again David is tempted to take matters into his own hands. And to act as a king when he is slighted when Saul is still king. Now the majority of our chapter deals with David and Nabal. But did you notice verse 1 just almost like in passing God says oh by the way Samuel died. Now Samuel died and all Israel assembled and mourned for him and they buried him in his house at Ramah. Now we think of Samuel, what a godly man he was, and God gives him one verse about his death. He was a godly prophet of the Lord 
and we know he was a great man. But in his latter days, uh, he spent them in, in retirement and, and obscurity. Do you know why? Do you remember why? Well, Israel rejected him. They chose Saul to be king and rejected God. And in so doing, they rejected Samuel. We know Samuel was a, a firm friend to David. We also know at this moment in time, Saul hated Samuel, but yet he died in peace. And all Israel comes and they lament the death of Samuel as he is buried at Ramah. Now David, after Samuel's death, we find him going to the wilderness of Paran. It may well have been David going to the wilderness there to grieve the loss of his friend. Samuel had taught David much. But David also may have apprehended that the danger that he now is in is greater than ever. And so as he goes to the wilderness of, wilderness of Paran, and there's a man and a woman he meets. And we see God interceding on David's behalf. But there are four things I want us to see this morning in our text. And the first is the stupid man. Now I know it's not polite to call people stupid. But we see the stupidity of Nabal. And that's what his name means, by the way. The foolish one or the stupid one. Now, it probably wasn't his real name. He probably had a different name. But yet, it seems he has this name and is stuck. His wife calls him that as well. And that's what it means. He is stupid. He is, he is foolish. But did you notice? He is also very wealthy. He lived in Maon, and his business was in Carmel. He was rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. And it was at the time where he would shear the sheep. It was a, a festive time, a time of great celebration. And so we have Nabal, and we have his wife, who was named Abigail. God says this of them both in verse 3. The woman was discerning and beautiful, but the man was harsh. And behaved badly. He was a Calebite. And what does that mean? Well, he was a descendant of Caleb. Well, he was a, a physical descendant of, of Caleb, but he did not have the faith of Caleb. And so here is this stupid man and this beautiful wife. And so David has been amidst his shepherds for some time. We don't know how long, but David. Heard. It was the time of the shearing of the sheep. We know 600 men were with David at this time and he needed some provisions. And so he sends 10 of his young men to go and to greet Nabal and ask for provisions. And he doesn't ask for, for a lot. He says, whatever you have at hand, whatever you can give to your servants and to your son, David. And so those young men, they, they go to Nabal. They do exactly what David said. They, they give him the, the greeting of peace. They remind him, as we learn in verses 6 through 8, that David's men have, have been with their shepherds, that they have protected the shepherds. No harm has come to Nabal's shepherds nor sheep. And so if he could, would he give him whatever he has at hand? 
Now, what was this stupid man's response? Verse 10, who was David? Now, we know from later in the text, Abigail knows who David is. Abigail is well aware that David is going to be king. And so it may well be Nabal knew this, but he gives the ultimate insult to the man who would one day be king. Who is this man? Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants. There have been many slaves who have broken away from their masters. And then notice verse 11. This is the, the heart of this foolish man. Shall I take my bread and my water and my means? Now I believe we have a companion of this man in the New Testament. As he had a, a great harvest and he saw his barns and he saw that his barns were not sufficient for the crops that, God, that, that were given to him. God gave them to him, but he did not recognize God in giving him the crops. And so he, he built bigger barns and greater barns. And he rejoiced in all that he had done. And Jesus said that very night, his soul was required. This is the type of thinking with this stupid man. All that he has belongs to him. He does not recognize Jehovah at all concerning what he has been given. And so he turns David and his men away without giving him anything. And so what is David's response? One of anger. As David hears this, he tells all of his men to strap up. Put on your sword. And David himself puts on his sword. And they're about to go and take care of Nabal and all the men in his house. They, they are going to go and they are going to exact revenge on the name and in the name of David. Now was this right or wrong? Well, it's wrong. You see, David's name has been slighted. And maybe it, it hit David and his pride a little bit. But you see, David is going for blood. And if David acts in this way, he will be no different than Saul. Do you remember what Saul did? At Nob, he murdered the priest. And now David is about to go and murder every man that belongs to the house of Nabal. As one commentator states, David has a problem. He has just created the problem, but he does not know it yet. And so the first thing we see is the, the stupidity of Nabal. Uh, but then we see the wisdom of Abigail. But we see a servant coming to Abigail, beginning at verse 14, to tell her what had just transpired. Abigail, the wife of Nabal, wasn't there. She had not known that David had sent men And so this servant comes to Abigail, Nabal's wife. He tells her what kindness David has shown to them, how good they had been to them, and what her husband had said. What he had done. In the beginning of verse 18, we see the wisdom of this woman. No doubt she had heard of David. She knew who he was. And she knew that he probably wouldn't take the insult lying down. 
And so she gathers up a gift. Now notice David had asked Nabal for whatever he could spare. And what does Abigail do? Well, she gives a gift for a king. She takes 200 loaves, two skins of wine, five sheep already prepared, and five says of parched grain, and a hundred clusters of raisins, and two hundred dried, two hundred cakes of figs, and she lays them on her donkeys, and they begin to go out. Now David sees her approaching, but did you notice what David says before he meets her? Verse 21, this is where we know the intent of David, the heart of David, that he is going to murder these men. David says in verse 21, Surely in vain I have guarded all that this fellow has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that he belonged, that all, all that belonged to him, and he has returned me evil for good. God do so, do so to the enemies of David, and more also, if by morning, I leave so much as one male of all who belong to him. That is David's perspective. He guarded the men of Nabal, the shepherds of Nabal, for nothing. He had been insulted by this foolish man. This man has returned to David evil for good, and so David's heart is set on killing him. Now again, that's the natural reaction, right? If someone were to come and murder your family this morning, your natural reaction would be what? I'm going to get them. Now that wasn't the slight that David had. His was even less than that. He was just spoken ill of. And he's ready to run this man through with the sword. And so Abigail comes and she hurries and she falls down at the feet of David. And notice she says, Lord, my Lord, may the guilt be on me. On me alone, my Lord, be the guilt. And, and she says in verse 25, let not my Lord regard this worthless fellow Nabal for his name, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. Now some believe that she went a little too far, that she's calling her husband stupid. Well, that is his name. But in fact, she's actually defending, in a sense, her husband. She's saying he's acting according to his nature. But she's coming to intercede on behalf of her husband to do that which he should have done, which would give David what David had requested. In verse 26, Now then, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, because the Lord has restrained you from blood guilt and from saving with your own hand, now then let your enemies and those who seek to do evil to my Lord be as Nabal. You see, Abigail understood and she sees what is about to happen, that if David goes ahead and wipes out all the men of that house, then blood will be on David's hand. He will be guilty of shedding innocent blood. The writer of Proverbs tells us that's one out of seven things that God hates. We've seen that in Bible school. There are six things, even seven. The Lord hates and He cannot stand. One is the shedding of innocent blood. 
And so she continues, let the present that your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men who follow my Lord and forgive the trespass of your servant for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord and evil shall not be found in you as long as you live. She understood, she saw that David was the man after God's own heart. David was the one God chose, not Saul. And she reminds David of these promises. She acknowledges what the people already know. That David is called by the Lord to be king. She acknowledged that the Lord would deal with all of David's enemies. She acknowledges that David would receive all that the Lord had promised to him. But that he was not to shed innocent blood. And for all of this, she just asked for one thing. When you come to the throne, remember your servants. And so David listened. Verse 32, he says to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discretion and blessed be you who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from working salvation With my own hand. You see, that was the test that David had here. To work salvation with his own hands instead of waiting upon the Lord. Now we remind ourselves this morning that there are many who believe they can work salvation with their own hands. They believe that if they do enough good works that they will somehow enter into heaven. And the Bible tells us that we're not saved by our good works. We're saved by, by faith alone, in Christ alone, not by grace alone. We cannot save ourselves. We must look to Christ. But David tells her, go in peace. I've obeyed your voice. I've granted your petition." Then third of all, we see the work of the Lord in verses 36 through 39. Abigail goes back and what does she find? Well, her her foolish, stupid husband being foolish and stupid. Again, this was a time of feast. It was a time of celebration. And there is Nabal and he's drunk. I don't know if he's drunk to the point of passing out, but he was very drunk, the Bible tells us. And so she decided that as most drunks do, they don't listen anyway. They should wait till morning. And so she waits and he gets up and she gives him the news in verse 37. When the wine had gone out of the ball, his wife told him these things and his heart died within him and he became as a stone. Some believe he had a stroke. May well have been. We know 10 days later he dies, but at this moment... After hearing, and I believe he, it's after hearing all that his wife had given to David. Because remember what he said, why am I going to give you these things that belong to me? That's where his heart was, right? His possessions. And he heard all that she had given to David, and he had a stroke. And then ten days later, we see the Lord at work in judging and punishing this man. About ten days later, verse 38, the Lord struck Nabal And he died. He struck the foolish one. The stupid one. 
He dealt with David's enemy. And David recognized that in verse 39. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord who has avenged the insult I received at the hand of Nabal, and he has kept back his servant from wrongdoing. The Lord has returned the evil of Nabal on his own head. David recognized that just as he spoke of God's justice last week concerning Saul, he now sees it firsthand concerning this enemy that he had. And the Lord avenged him. The Lord dealt with David's enemy. Then fourth and finally, we see what transpires between David and Abigail. Her husband is dead. And so David sends for her to take her as his wife. The servants of David, they come and they they propose, in a sense. David wants you his wife. And she accepts and she, she goes. But notice what she says. Behold, your handmaid is a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. The humility of this woman. We are reminded of, of Mary, the mother of Jesus, who also called herself a handmaiden when she found out that she was pre uh, pregnant with the Lord. And how she is nothing more, was nothing more than a humble maidservant of God. And so now this widow, she hurries and she takes with her five attendants and she follows the messengers of David and she becomes the wife of David. But then something else is inserted in verses 43 and 44 and it's this, that David... Also had another wife. Now we know he had a wife by the name of Michael. The Bible here tells us this morning what happened to her. It was a daughter of Saul. And now that Saul and, and is in pursuit of, of killing David, he took Michael and gave her to another man. He cut David out of his family. David is no longer the king's son-in-law. He gave Michael to Palti, the son of Laish, who was of Galim. But we also see that David also took Ahanoam of Jezreel. And that both Abigail and Ahanoam, and most believe Ahanoam was already a wife of David, and now he took Abigail as a second. What are we to make of that? David is after all called a man after God's own heart. I, I think Matthew Henry put it well. He says, David is here carried away by the corrupt custom of those times. When David could not keep his first wife, he thought that would excuse him if he did not keep his second, or to his second. But we deceive ourselves if we think to make others' faults a cloak for our own. David was wrong. He sinned. We know well that marriage is between one man and one woman. And so again, we have an example in the Bible where God does not hide from us the sins of His people. And so what application can we make here this morning? Well, first, we see Nabal living up to his name. Again, that name means foolish 
are stupid. And this is the description of all who do not believe in Jesus Christ for their salvation. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The fool believes that his sins are not so great that God will not judge him for all eternity. The, the fool believes that his riches will save him and receives his benefits in this life only. It is the fool who believes that God will never judge him. Nabal learned the hard way. There are times in this life where we must learn the hard way. Children, sometimes you learn the hard way of what is right and what is wrong. And part of that is due to our own stubbornness. We are stubborn people. Some of us more than others. But may we not be a fool like Nabal. May we not be a fool and say there is no God or I do not have to answer to God or that there is any other way of salvation that is given to us but through Jesus Christ. You see, God is just and the unrighteous will pay the price for His unbelief and stupidity. Second, we see that Abigail was a, a woman of wisdom. She was also a woman of faith and God used her. To keep David from sinning. And God does the same for us today. Have you ever had someone to exhort you to keep you from sinning? Have you ever had a friend to come and say, you know what? What you did back there wasn't right. You need to repent of that sin. I know I have. I've shared that with you many times. God uses other believers to show us our own stupidity and our unbelief and so that we are kept and restrained from sinning against Him. Now many times our reaction is this. We get offended that a friend would tell us such. But the Bible tells us faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful are those who will confront us in our sin. And will remind us of the Word of God. And so we should be thankful for those times. We should be thankful when God sends someone to keep us from sinning. Third, Abigail intercedes in our text this morning for her husband and family as she seeks mercy at the feet of David. Now again, anytime we hear that word Interceded, it takes us where? It takes us immediately to Christ. Because that is what He has done on the cross for His people. He has interceded for us. Now why? Why did Jesus intercede for us? Why did He go to the cross and die? Well, it's really simple. He did that so that we will not have to suffer like the fool, the wrath of God. That's it. He didn't do it because you're a good person. He didn't do it because I'm a good person. 
He simply did it because God chose us in love from before the foundation of the world. And Jesus said, I will go die for those whom you have chosen and I will intercede for them and I will suffer the wrath of my Father so that none who believe in me will ever suffer it. Now, young people, I want to speak to you for a moment because you're young and you think I have so many years to live in my life. Guess what? They're going to go by in the blink of an eye. You're going to grow a beard. You're going to be gray. You're going to be bald. And you're going to say, where has the time gone? And then you're going to say, if you don't have faith in Jesus, you're going to be further hardened in your sin. And you'll become an old fool like Nabal. Do not be like him. Come to Christ. Trust in Him. Believe in Him. That day is coming when Jesus will return. And He will intercede for His people. He will intercede at the throne of judgment. And the only way we can stand in that day is if Jesus intercedes for us. If He is our mediator. If He is our Lord and Savior. If He is not, then come to Him today. Give up your sin. Give up trying to work salvation by your own hand. And fall at the feet of Jesus. And say, Lord Jesus, have mercy upon me. Save me. I'm a sinner. And I cannot save myself. May God give us the grace to do just that. Let's pray. Father, we thank You this morning for Your Word. We thank You that in it all we can see Christ. And Father, I pray for any here this morning, whether they are young or old, that, O Lord, You would show them their need of of, of believing and trusting in Jesus and that You, by Your grace and mercy, would bring them to Christ. And oh Lord, we thank You that You convert us from being a fool to one of Your children. Do that work among us this morning. Oh Lord, may the rest of us who already have faith thank You for that faith and, and live in that faith. Trusting in Jesus every single day. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.